We're going to do some training for the next little while. Uh, subject I thought we could use some training in is on the subject of healing. I'm not sure how long we'll go with this, but we'll start tonight and see how far we get. Um, when I was a young disciple and uh, reading the scripture, and I could read them in Mark 16 where it says, these hands shall lay, uh, you sh these, the, these signs shall follow those who believe, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And I took that as a personal permission from the Lord that I could pray for the sick. I didn't know how. Uh, I was nervous about that, but I wanted to do it. I wanted to do what Jesus uh, was talking about in that. I didn't know whether to pour oil on people, lay hands on them, spit on them. Uh, I didn't know quite, quite where to begin. Um, and and uh, there weren't very many books back then about that kind of thing. If anyone was praying for people, I'd get right up close and watch and look and see and learn, try to figure out what they were doing, what was working, what didn't work. And I stepped out. I began practicing. But then the Lord led me into a study, and then the, this study is something I want to share with you tonight. Uh, I felt, I felt uh, that the Lord was helping me to, to do this. And so this is before personal computers, if you can imagine a day when there were, weren't personal computers. Um, I took my Bible to a print shop and got access to their um, photocopier, and I photocopied Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and, and then I began to cut it apart, and I cut out all the healing sections every time Jesus healed somebody, and I pasted that on a piece of paper with lots of white space around it. And I really felt led to do this, and I began to paste it and put it, lay it out so I can see all the healings. It's surprising how few there are. That was a shock. Um, <clears throat> and... And now that I had them out there, I wanted to find what I called common denominators. And I began looking for them. And so the, the first example of Jesus healing people, I wanted to find out uh, different things like uh, who initiated that healing. Did they come to Jesus or did Jesus come to them? I wanted to find out the reaction to the healing, what, what resulted from the healing. Did people come to know the Lord through the healing? That kind of thing was something. So I'd take a different color marker, and I would, I would uh, look, for example, um, one of the common denominators. Uh, it was called faith healing back then. You don't hear that term very much anymore. It was called faith healing, and it was a kind of a derogatory term. It wasn't a positive term. So I wanted to find out what, what, how much does faith have to do with healing, and, and whose faith? Was it Jesus' faith, or was it the person's faith? Was there anything mentioned about faith? So I took one color, let's say a blue marker, and I began on that first little passage of, of cutout type, I began looking for the issue of faith. Then I would take another color, and I would see what, what was the result of the healing, and I'd mark that out. Who initiated the healing? I'd get another color, and I, I'd want to see, did Jesus offer healing? Did the people come to Jesus for healing? Did someone else bring them for healing? I wanted to look, you know, we call that intercession. So I would mark that out. Then I'd go to the next one and I'd look for those same common denom denominators. Go to the next one, look for the same common denominators. I wanted to find out what did Jesus do? Did he, did he lay hands on them? Did he speak to them? Did he uh, 
pour oil on them? Was there any holy, holy water? People said holy water heals the sick, so I wanted to find out. I wanted to find out, for example, did Jesus ever say, throw away your crutches and then you'll be healed? Uh, I, I remember um, I was a brand new Christian. I wanted my eyes to be healed. My eyes weren't that bad, but uh, I was the only one in my family who wore glasses. And I wanted to test this healing thing. And I wanted to be able to tell people, Jesus heals today. He healed me of my eyesight. And so uh, uh, I prayed and prayed. Nothing happened. So I was driving down the 401 uh, in Ontario. And I, and I had been thinking about this. I thought, well, the reason I'm not being healed is because I'm still relying on my glasses. And so I rolled down the window 60 miles an hour, took off my very expensive glasses and threw them out the window. And I watched in the rearview mirror, rear view mirror the little glint of the, the gold bouncing down the highway. And I did that sincerely. I did that because I thought, well, this is my crutch. I'm dependent on them. And if I don't have that, then I have to have faith. Uh, things got blurry after that. And they stayed blurry. And I couldn't see. I, I'm, I'm, I'm nearsighted, so I couldn't see at a distance. And, and uh, you know, legally it probably wasn't a good idea to be driving. And, but I kept going and kept believing and even confessed, told people that I'm healed. You know, people said, where's your glasses? Well, I'm healed. I still couldn't see, but I had read stories of people who made a positive confession. And um, uh, so I tell people that I was healed. I, I didn't feel it was lying because I was confessing my faith. And then Heather was almost due for our first child. And the thought of bringing my baby boy home from the hospital, not being able to see, uh, broke my heart. And I went and I humbled myself before the Lord. And I said, Lord, I, I did this. You know my heart. I did this to, to get healed. Uh, it didn't happen. I don't have any money. I, I need glasses again in order to bring my child home from the hospital. Uh, either heal me or give me the money for glasses. And later that day, someone gave me enough money to buy a pair of glasses. So I went and I got another pair of glasses. And I thought about that whole thing long and hard. And so <coughs> I got out my list of papers of the cutouts of all the texts where Jesus healed people. And I got a, a, a purple pen. And I'm looking, did Jesus tell anyone that they had to throw away their medicine, throw away their crutches, and then he would heal them? And I'm, I'm looking for that in each section, ready to mark it in a color. And so that became my study for the next long time. Uh, every time I had a question, I would write down the question, and I created a list. I don't know. I probably had 30 questions eventually. But every time I had a question about healing, I'd go and I'd lay out my papers, and I'd, I'd go through looking for a pattern. Uh, for example, there was a lot of teaching in those days um, that said uh, every sickness is because of sin in your life. So I laid out my papers and I took a marker and I looked for sin. Did Jesus mention anything about sin? 
and he did at least one time. And I thought, okay, so it's a possibility, but it's not common. It's not something that's happening every time. You can't teach it that it's something that happened. But somewhere, you know, he went to the man who was by the pool and he said, if you, if you uh, sin again, something worse will happen to you. So he connected sin and sickness. But it wasn't a constant thing. It wasn't something Jesus was, was uh, bringing up every, in, in every instance. Nor did he say, uh, you're not a believer. If you become a believer, I'll heal you. Uh, he didn't say, you've sinned too much, therefore you can't be healed. And so I'm, I'm looking for this. I call them common denominators. Big teaching at that time that said every sickness is a demon, and, and it's demonic. It's, it's part of the fall of man. And so there's a demon behind every sickness. And so I, I laid out my papers, and I said, okay, let's see if he ever dealt with that as a demon. And he did a couple times. And so I, I could see where it's, it's a possibility but it's not something that's happening every time. What was happening as I did this is my theology was being formed based on the healing ministry of Jesus. My confidence went through the roof. My faith went through the roof. All the hesitation, do I do this or do I do that? I, uh, all that hesitation, uh, that's called double-mindedness. And James said a double-minded man should not think that he'll receive anything from God. It's not that God says, you're double-minded, I won't give it to you. It's that you can't receive because of your double-mindedness. So you just can't receive. And so uh, I had a lot of double-mindedness because this whole issue of healing attracts a lot of criticism and rejection and warfare and people, people uh, dismiss it. How many have heard people be critical of, of healing? Just the very subject of healing in itself. You've, you've, and if you've mentioned it or you think, well, if I bring it up and I want to pray for them, I'm going to get uh, some reproach upon me because of the healing ministry. Well, that, that works against you. That takes away some of your confidence. Now it's not based on what a, a famous teacher says. It's not based on books that I've read. It's not even based on my own experience. It's based upon Jesus what Jesus did, what Jesus said, I'll tell you, it was a game changer. It changed my whole confidence level. It changed my ability. My success ratio, the number of people who were healed, went up. So, uh, what I've done is I, you know, I cut them out and I pasted them, glued them onto paper. Since then, computers have come out, word processors that have colored markers right within the word processor. How cool is that? So you can cut and paste and, and then mark with your little, little word processor marker. How many be interested in doing this to see what it does for your own belief system? Yeah, anybody? Well, I recommend this. I recommend that you do this. I've also made it easier for you to do it. If you want to, if you go to www.penclarkstudy.study, all, all my notes, all my questions, all my common denominators, every instance of healing in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and every reference in the book of Acts, every reference to healing in the epistles are in there. And you don't have to cut and paste, but you still have to print it off 
and mark it out. I, don't, I didn't want to uh, do that for you because there's something about seeing it. There's something about finding it. There's something about looking for the pattern. And so um, if, th if that would serve you, you could go to that website. You type in the word free in capital letters, free, and you can get that study for free. You can print it off. And, and I recommend that you do that, especially if you want to go deep in the healing. Um, I did the exact same study with deliverance, and we'll, t we'll talk about that at some point in time. In the King James Version of the Bible, there's a lot of funky healing, uh, diseases and, and, and uh, uh, problems that people came to Jesus with. And uh, so I didn't know what they meant. You know, what's dropsy? What the, what's, what's dropsy today? And so I wrote out every word that I came to and then did a search to find out uh, from, the, from the original Greek, what is that disease and what is it for today? And, of course, there's, there's encyclopedias, there's different things online that now help, help that. And so I wrote out every disease I could find and wrote out what the ailment would be today, what the symptoms would be. Um, was the healing instant or was it gradual? I wanted to find out people's reaction to healing. Did it advance the kingdom of God? So I wrote out all my questions. Um, and you're going to have to look these up and find them. Did Jesus refuse to heal anybody? Did he make anybody sick? See, I hear people testify, and often they say, Jesus made me sick. And so you should be able to t lay out all the interaction that he had with people and say, is there any time that he made people sick? And that's something that you should look for. This, um, this whole thing of, of, of um, what to do, I, I didn't know whether to lay hands on people. I didn't know... You know, I carried a bottle of oil with me everywhere I went. I still keep, I have a bottle of oil in my, my bag, just in case I meet somebody that. So I never knew, do I put oil on them? Do I just lay hands on them? Do I just speak to it? Do I spit on them? I read a story that made me laugh. It was a guy, he spit on someone, and they were healed. And so that after that, he spit on everybody he prayed for and even had a sign made, Spittin' Joe Calhoun, or whatever his name was, you know, the holiest spit this side of the, the Pecos. And, and um, there are people who have told me, uh, sincere believers, they said, you know, we someone was sick, and so we, we had some holy water from the priests, and we put that on them, and they were healed. And, and, and I can't totally dismiss that because though I don't believe in holy water and I don't make water holy, um, sincere people have said, they've said to me, they've said, uh, you know, we put holy water on them and they were healed. And I'm, I'm thinking, Lord, how is that possible? I've even heard of the Shroud of Turin, that's, or Turan, that's, that's, that's this uh, um, piece of cloth that they said was the burial cloth of Jesus. And people go there and they said that they were healed looking at that. Now, how is that possible? And so I'm, I'm, I'm asking the Lord, and I'm, I'm, I've got my sheets of paper in front of me, and I realized that it's not the spit. 
it's not the oil. The disciples actually went out and they poured oil on people. Um, Smith Wigglesworth, uh, he went to this lady's house. He was called to her house. She was uh, dying. She was on her deathbed. And he carried uh, a test tube of, of olive oil in his pocket with a big cork in it. So he had a big tube. And he's a plumber. And so he never knew, you know, when he might be called to pray for somebody. So he carried a big vial of, of test tube uh, full of oil. So he gets there, and she's on her deathbed. And so he doesn't quite know what to do. And so he takes out the big test tube of oil. He uncorks it. And then he pours it all up and down her like a, like a salad. Uh, pours the oil all up and down her, bedclothes and all. Jesus appeared to him at the bottom of the bed. And Jesus manifested himself and looked at him and tilted back his head and laughed and disappeared. And that makes me laugh. That, that I, I could see Jesus doing that. I, I think he would just get a kick out of that. He could just see the sincerity of Smith Wigglesworth. And, of course, she was healed. She was raised up and made whole. And so I'm hearing those stories. I'm reading those stories. And uh, Smith, uh, Spit and Joe Calhoun, uh, I'd laid hands on people, but I didn't know where to lay hands on. Do you lay hands on the place that is sick? Well, you can't always do that. And where do you put your hands on them? And all, all that created stress. It created a, a hesitation for me. Then I, I happened to come across something. Uh, Oral Roberts it was, was very famous, had a very feel, famous healing ministry in the 1950s and 60s. And, and I read something that he wrote, and he called it a point of contact. And a point of contact is where, uh, you say, we'll take oil, for example. could be spit. could be anything. could be cooking oil. could be... 10W40, it could be anything at all. And because that part is irrelevant. What's relevant is, is this point of contact. When you put something on your hand and you touch them, there's that moment. They sense it, you sense it. It's the touch. It could be the hand. It could be the spittle. It could be anything. It could be a prayer cloth. All of that is irrelevant. What's relevant is there's that moment when, you, when you're touched and it releases your faith in that moment. The moment you touch it, you believe. And sometimes we just need something that helps us realize it's this moment. It's this moment. It's this moment that oil is running down my forehead. It's this moment that someone just touched my knee. It's this moment that someone just, I felt the warmth of their hand on my eyelids. Because Jesus, when he anointed someone with clay, it releases the person's faith who's praying. It releases the faith of the person who's being prayed for. And when I realize it's the point of contact that actually releases the faith, it's faith that heals the sick, not oil, not spit, not clay. But we need sometimes something that in the moment releases our faith. Do you see it? So Oral said, all I need is a point of contact. At the moment I touch them, something, something happens within me. Something happens to my faith. Something happens in, inside of them that, oh, it's this moment. It's, I'm being touched now. 
And that's what releases faith. And it's faith that brings about healing, not, not spit, not oil, not water. But if someone went to Turin and they went to that little chapel where that shroud was and they believed that in the moment that I get there, Jesus is going to heal me, if they're sincere, why wouldn't Jesus heal them? And I, I would, I mean, they give credit maybe to the wrong thing, and that's something that he will have to work out in them. But it releases faith. That's the bottom line. So when we have you pray for people, uh, I've, I've, I've noticed people not quite touching. Maybe their hand is maybe two inches away from the person praying. Uh, that's not proper training. That's not what I want to see you. I want, I want you to believe that the moment you touch them, something, Jesus will slip his hand in your hand. I want you to believe that he wants to touch them through you. And the moment you touch them, that's the key. And I will tell them, you've, you've heard me do it different times, I'll say, now, we're going to lay hands on you. We just did it this week at the, at the DH in our prayer meetings last week. And we saw people being touched by the Lord. And I say, now, the moment you feel Jesus put his hand on you, forget about who it is. Forget about the person. It's beside the point. It might even be three or four people laying hands on you at one point in time. And it doesn't matter where they necessarily put their hand on you. It doesn't have to be on, on the point that you're suffering in. But the moment you feel the warmth of their hand, take that as Jesus laying hands on you. That's, that's the power of a point of contact. I heard people say just within this past year that they don't lay hands on people anymore. They just speak to the disease and tell it to leave because they, they did a, a study where they looked at incidences where Jesus healed the sick, and he spoke to it. He didn't always lay hands on them. Well, lots of times he laid hands on people. Lots of times he, he put clay on them or, or, or touched them in some way. But you're right. There are times when Jesus simply spoke to the disease and it left. Because he's operating in a gift of the Spirit. When you have a gift of the Spirit, it changes everything. It takes you to another level. And because he had a gift of the Spirit, he could speak to that. If you don't have a high-level gift of the Spirit, it won't work. You're going to have to go to Mark 16. Mark 16 says... These signs shall follow those who believe. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. The apostles went out everywhere laying hands on the sick or anointing them with oil. And so um, if you don't have a real knowing that you have that gift of the Spirit, it won't work for you. It, it, it worked for Jesus because he's functioning at such a high level in the gifts of the Spirit that consistently he could just speak to it and it would change. For most of us, I want us to lay hands on people. Now, here's what I don't want to do, uh, what I don't want any of us to do, include myself. I don't want you to give the person a Pentecostal massage. When it's time to lay hands on them, I don't, I don't want you squeezing anything. I don't want you to pat in their head and rub in their belly. I don't want you. I don't want your hand going all over them. Uh, it 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 it's going to be a distraction to them. It's not going to release the faith that you think it's going to release. 
What I want you to do is I want you to be absolutely intentional. I even say, don't even do it until you're ready. You'll see me different times. Someone will be there, and, and I won't lay hands on them right away. Oftentimes, a person who's not properly trained would just automatically put, your, put their hand on them. Just not, no thought at all. Putting your hand on them does not change anything. Putting your hand on them does not heal. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't, it doesn't help. Intentionally believing God, getting your heart, and sometimes you'll even feel something in your hand. And, and if I feel it, that's wonderful. If I don't feel it, I still go by faith. But I do like it when I can become emotionally dependent on that, and so sometimes it doesn't always happen. But what I want you to do so that we're all on the same page, what I want you to do is believe. I want you to believe that Jesus is just below your skin and that you're doing this in his name. And it's no longer you laying hands on them, it's Jesus laying hands on them in you. And you believe that he's going to slip his hand into your hand. And the moment you touch them, something's going to happen from Jesus. And, and so I want you to be intentional. You could put your hand on the top of their head or on their shoulder, on their back. Somehow, even holding their hands in that moment, you'll see me do that sometimes. And I can feel current. I can feel, I can feel transfer of power going into them. They feel it. Oftentimes, I'll see the effect. Their eyelids will start fluttering. They'll start feeling like they could fall because they're feeling something of Jesus. Now, let me just stop here for a second. What happens in the heart stays in the heart. What happens to them physically that makes them feel better is secondary. The part that I love, the part that I can't get enough of, is I love it when I lay my hands on them and they feel the love of Jesus. They feel that he loves them. They feel like he's there, that he cares. You can't experience that and ever remain the same. So you leave... And, and I've seen this so many times. I, I love it. I mean, it's a, it's a part of how I operate in ministry. I'll see people that I've laid hands on, and, and for long periods of time after the meeting, they've set themselves aside because they're feeling something. They're feeling something of his glory. They're feeling something of his love. And they're just kind of lost. They, they've, they, they're not... Uh, indifferent to what's going on in other people. They're just so smitten by him. That is the goal. That is the highest goal. If that happens, that's win, win, win. If they're healed physically beyond that, that's a win as well, and we want that. But we want people to be touched. We want them to be smeared with his love, smeared with his glory. That's, that's the goal. So the massage part distracts it takes away something I just lay my hands very firmly very simply I don't press I, I can't press healing in them those who are pressing trying to get the Holy Spirit or trying to get healing into them they're improperly trained very simply just simply put your hand on them and believe If you would stop and pray just even for a minute and say, Jesus, Jesus, you know, they're asking for healing. How do you want me to approach this? How do you want me to do this? In that moment, he may say, put a cloth on them. He may say, put oil on them. 
he may show you, you may have an, an idea that comes and says, uh, tell them, tell them to, to get up and run around the building. I, I've done that different times. In that moment, as they start going, Jesus heals them. In other words, we don't know what's going to trip their faith, but he does. And so when you hear from him, not only will your faith go up because you heard from them. I'll pray for someone who's, who's very, very stiff. They're hurting. They're, they're physically hurting. I'll touch them. Sometimes I'll just simply touch them, and I'll say, now bend over. Now, I'm doing that because I feel like that idea came to my mind. And they might feel like if I bend over, I'll break. But I want them to act on that. I want them to do something. I've seen when I laid out the pieces of paper looking for common denominators, I saw where Jesus would do that. Take up your bed and walk. That wasn't just a nice thing to say that my prayer is over. That's saying something has happened whether you feel it or not. And once you stand up and you begin taking your bed, he created a vision for them of getting up without thinking about it. He's, he, it's, it's a command. Don't even think about it. Up, up, and go. Well, if you haven't been mobile for, and you've been paralyzed, the idea of getting up and going is such a radical idea. And if they just move a little bit, all of a sudden they'll feel strength and power in their body that wasn't there before the moment they move, the moment they begin to act on that. It's part of the, it's part of the process of getting them healed. It's part of the process of releasing their faith. And that's the key. We want people's faith turned toward Jesus. So Oral Roberts, what he would do, he had, a, he had the biggest tent in the world. He had a tent that I, it was acres wide. I mean, acres of, of tent. Biggest tent ever created. And, and people would come there by the thousands. And he would turn his chair around backwards and he'd sit on the edge of the stage and people who had been in the meetings, they'd line up and they'd come by and they'd stand for just seconds in front of them. And he would just lay his hand on them and off they'd go. Sometimes he might take his time. You can see film of this on YouTube. Sometimes he might take his time and speak to them. Might be a little interview, brief interview. He might have them testify. He might have them do something. But he, had a, he just had a commission from Jesus that if he laid his hands on people... This is a word from him, from Jesus to him, that if he laid his hands on them, that they would be healed. So that's what that was his mode of operation. Catherine Kuhlman, as we talked last week, she mostly had this idea of someone is being healed somewhere in this building. And it's, it's kind of like in this general area. Someone over here has cancer and you're being healed. And that was her mode of operation. Different people operated in different ways. There's a guy named William Branham, and, and to release people's faith, someone would come up and he'd say, your doctor's name is John Smith. You saw him on Tuesday. He gave you a prescription for this. This is your ailment. You live at 266 Smith Street. I mean, it, it was just such a shock to hear this information. He's working at a very high level of word of knowledge, but it was such a shock to hear your information being disclosed by the Spirit of God that their faith would just be absolutely... He said, if you, if you believe that I'm a prophet of God, and this is what I'm saying is from the Spirit of God, be healed. Now, we don't operate that way, and, and there's parts of that that I'm not even comfortable with. But here's the fact. 
He said things that release people's faith. And that is the key. That is the key. We want people's faith released. Because all through Scripture, when you do your study, when you go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see that faith is the key. It's, it's, it's one of the common denominators that shows up in almost every instance where there's healing. Now, people make fun of it. They call it faith healing. But you can't, you can't take faith out of it and see healing. Faith is a major, major key to healing. Amen? Can you see it? Point of contact. It's important that we have a biblical foundation. And so I wrote out questions. Why is it important that we even pray for the sick? Why do we even bother with that? There are many, many churches that don't bother with that. They don't do that. They preach. They have nice meetings. They have meals. They have all kinds of, but they don't pray for the sick. And so I began to write out, why, why, do, I, why do I do this? Well, I want to be like Jesus. You can't be like Jesus completely unless you prophesy and pray for the sick and deal with demons. Because that's what Jesus did. You can't be completely like him unless you're willing to do these things. And Jesus prayed for the sick because it was his father's business. He said, I see my father working. I see somehow he could perceive on people and people's reaction. Even, even Paul one time was in a meeting. He looked at a man who hadn't walked. He was com completely um, immobilized. And he looked at the man, and he, he perceived that he had faith to be healed and told him to stand up. The man was healed, and that started a church. I mean, it's an amazing thing. I want to be like Jesus. I want to do what he did to become what he became. He said, my father is working. My father is working in the meetings. Jesus would look for that. I pray that many times when I'm in meetings. Father, show me what you're doing. Show me how to be in sync with you. And, and Jesus just believed that the works that he was doing were the Father's works. The Father is a healer. The Father is big on healing. You can't separate healing from salvation. Even the word salvation includes the word healing. And so I want, I want to preach the full gospel, but I also want to bring salvation in every form to people. And so healing is just simply a part of that. Healing brings glory and praise to God. Healing is a sign. It sends the message out that God is doing something. Healing is part of Jesus' original mandate. He said, the spirit of God is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to opening the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to console the mourn of Zion, to give beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And he goes on, he says, uh, uh, the recovery of sight to blind. Powerful, powerful thing. It was part of Jesus' commission. It's part of his plan of salvation. It's part of the cross. It's part of what Jesus 
was prophesied that he would do. You know, there's a time when the children of Israel were sick. So God says, what do I do? And, and, and the Lord said, uh, create this serpent and hang it on a tree. And anyone who looks at that serpent, they shall be healed. That's actually the symbol of healing for the medical services. Even here in America, you see the snake on a tree. But it was really a prophetic word about Jesus, even though Jesus is no snake. But there's something about we look to him hanging on the cross and we're healed. And so it's all part of the prophetic ministry of Jesus. People will bully you. They'll push you around. They'll make fun of you. You have to know that it's, it's not just for kicks. It's not just a, a novelty thing that I'm doing. I'm doing this because it honors Jesus. I'm doing this because I want to be like him. I'm doing this because this is what my father does. We have to nail those things down for ourselves. We don't do it because you're part of Wellspring. You don't do it because you had a little bit of training. You don't do it because it looks cool. You have to know why you do it. Otherwise, you'll be, you'll be pushed around. Amen? Um, I had another thought. See if it comes back. Yep. It's not my notes. All these notes, there's pages of them, more than 100 pages on about, about healing and why we do what we do. I'd love for you to get in on that study. And so Hannah, she's edited that for us and made that available. So I can't bring it to my mind. So let's pray for people.